Every year during Lent, I listen to the same interview between Krista Tippett and Armenian theologian Vegan Garoyan. And I said that at the eight o'clock and I started thinking about it and I was like, I sound really boring during Lent. <laughs> but for the last 10 years, I've listened to Garoyan artfully make a case for the physicality of Christian faith. Like a well-worn VHS tape or CD, I can quote almost verbatim Garoyan's reflections on the Armenian genocide and life in his central Virginia garden. The following excerpt is Garoyan's response when asked about the role of the senses in church architecture and personal devotion. Quote, human beings are oriented by several senses. And so in order for the human being to be wholly engaged, all of those senses ought to be at work. One of the, job of, one of the jobs of a Christian is to hone the senses, reform the senses, make them holy so that the incense appeals to the sense of smell The body is involved, the kneeling, the prostration on the ground, on the floor, the images that one sees, the songs that one hears, and that engages the whole human being. End quote. We wear beautiful flowing vestments and burn incense and have compelling depictions of, Bible and hist- of the Bible and history's great stories embossed in stained glass and icons, not simply because they're beautiful, but because these things deepen and enrich our humanity. We engage all of the senses on days like today when we remember in song, sacrament, and story the transfiguration of Jesus, the incense and iconography, the standing and the tracing of the sign of the cross over our bodies are ways in which this biblical vignette breaks what scholars of theater call the fourth wall or the space between a performer and her audience. For a moment, we might be able to smell or hear or see the transfiguration. Etymologists like to point out that the word translated as transfigured in other passages is the root of our English word metamorphosis. I've mentioned this before, but it's worth saying again. When Jesus was transfigured on the holy mountain, he did not become something else. Instead, Jesus was able to be experienced for who he had been the whole time. In the way one might wake up next to a spouse of 40 years and not see something new about them, but realize, my goodness, they've been this way or had this quality or had this mannerism all along, and I simply never noticed it until now. In Alice Walker's The Color Purple, characters Seeley and Suge are having an in-depth conversation about God reveling in the beauty of this world. Towards the end of their conversation, Seely asks Suge this question. Are you saying God is vain? No, said Suge. Not vain, just wanting to share a good thing. 
I think it irks God, and if you've read the novel, you know that that's not the actual word. I think it irks God if you walk by the color purple in a field somewhere and don't notice it. Suge, like theologians before her and since, articulated something often overlooked in Christian theology. That our perception of God in the world is a matter of the senses of tasting and touching and hearing and seeing the numerous ways God is present in our midst. It is a matter of perception, of being able to see through and beneath and around that which we behold, of training ourselves and each other to perceive the mystery all around, of marveling at the color purple when we see it in a field. Baptism, like the other sacraments, is a stirring of the senses as we hear the water in just a moment filling the font and feel its fresh breeze, that fourth wall again breaks and we are invited by God to walk through the Red Sea's parted waters as we seek liberation from brutality of every kind onto the banks of the Jordan River as Jesus himself is baptized and into the first lines of the book of Genesis as the spirit of God hovers over the face of the deep at the beginning of creation. Baptism, like the other sacraments, make, makes real, not true. I first heard this in a sermon last year by Jeff Lee, Bishop of Chicago, and have been chewing on it ever since. Bishop Lee went on to say this, quote, we do not baptize little babies or anyone else for that matter so that God will love them. God already loves them. We wash them to bring them into a community that begins to make God's infinite love real in their lives, touchable, tasteable, experienceable. I don't think that's a word, Bishop Lee. (laughs) God's incomprehensible love and acceptance of us in Christ, the divine hospitality, end quote. God will not love people more today after they're baptized, then God loved them before they were baptized. Their baptism, our baptism, and baptisms to come dramatize the depth of God's love that God already has for us. In the same way, the transfiguration of Jesus made real, not true, that he was God's beloved son It, among other things, helped the three apostles see what had always been there. Baptism, like the other sacraments, is never just one thing with one meaning. Rather, the way we experience baptism changes as we ourselves change. In the same way we don't receive communion at a wedding, the way we might receive communion after the death of a loved one, we return to the font and we return to the table, enhanced by incense and kneeling and icons and touch, to have our senses honed and sanctified 
to become that much more aware of God's presence, to become that much more susceptible to transfiguration. Amen.